Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. It's all around us, and it wants to get into us. In fact, if you let this particular thing into you, it will destroy you, it will eat you up. And it's very, very hard not to listen to bad reports and be fearful in today's society because there's so much junk going around. Have you noticed that? The times are definitely not getting better with the world situation and uh, with our own society here, the issues that are, that are being debated by politicians that have no clue, seriously. <laughs> They're clueless on how to solve all these problems from youth crime to break-ins and, and uh, cars get, getting stolen and people dying. It's like you turn on the news and it's like another person killed in a car crash caused by somebody that stole a car. Like, seriously, what is going on in society and, and, and issues with, uh, that have uh, spurred on the Me Too movement and, and, and other uh, big movements that need to happen because people are just saying, I've had enough of this. This, this is crazy stuff. In fact, if I was to turn back the clock and you were to tell me what we're dealing with today, back 20, 30 years ago, I'd have said, you're writing fiction. This is like a horror film. That's never going to happen. But it's happening. It's all around us. And it's happened very slowly. It's, it's a creep. It's crept up like a creep. <laughs> and very creepy. And <laughs> causing something that, that uh, the Bible calls discouragement. It's causing us to, if we're not careful, the courage will be ripped out of your heart. The courageous heart that God wants you to have for him will be distanced from you. And that's discouragement is, is something that wants to get into you. It's all around us, but it wants to invade your soul and destroy your soul. How do you deal with discouragement? So that's today's topic. Uh, our, our message is dealing with with discouragement. Now, I want us to go over to uh, Scripture in Proverbs. And Proverbs chapter 24. I really chose this to start with this, this and bounce off of this. It's, it's, it's something that Solomon wrote. It's, it's fantastic Scripture here. It says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. It really hit me because you wouldn't think that a righteous person would fall at all. You would think that if you're righteous, you don't fall, let alone seven times. In fact, uh, when the Bible uses the words, the, the number seven, it's not actually talking about seven times, and that's it. it, it it's, it's like an infinite number of times. There's this, this, this goes out. Though you fall again and again and again and again and again, and we've just passed the number seven to eight and nine and ten, though you fall and keep on falling, and you're a righteous person, you're not like somebody that's not right, uh, has right standing with God, Though you fall seven times, they rise up again. 
In other words, discouragement doesn't grab them to a point where they fall and stay down. And that's what discouragement's trying to do with your life, is to get you so discouraged that you don't get back up again. You don't exercise any kind of resilience. Because things don't work out all the time in life. They don't work out the way that I want them to work out. Life doesn't go according to plan. People, even people that you trust, let you down. You lose your job. That investment goes south. You expect something from God. God doesn't give you what you want the way that you wanted it. You thought you were free from that habit. And now there you go again. You fail to live up to somebody else's expectation. Your confidence goes out the window. And there's no enthusiasm left in your life. There's no zeal to get you up in the morning, nothing to look forward to. That's discouragement. Before long, discouragement invites its friends to come knocking at your door. Some of those friends are dejection, rejection, depression, demoralization. I just listed a few. Disappointment, despondency sets in, despair, hopelessness, pessimism, gloom, disincentive, disillusion. Discouragement is an enemy of your soul, yet we all deal with discouragement from time to time, some more than others. I'm encouraged because even the mighty heroes of faith, and most of those are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. We're not going to go there, but I'm encouraged that they all dealt with this same issue. We think, oh, the times are so hard. When have they not been hard? If you were around, I don't know, 80 years ago, whenever World War II was on, I think that's pretty hard. Before that, the Great War, the war to end all wars, that would have been pretty hard. Before that, before that, before that, hard times keep rolling on. Nobody's exempt from them. These heroes of faith had really hard times. I think of Jacob's wife, Rachel, and she couldn't conceive a child. And, and back in ancient times, this was as good as a death sentence for a woman. And her discouragement had beaten her down to the point because she was barren. She cried out to Jacob. She said, give me children or else I die. How discouraged was she? David comes back to a place called Ziklag and all the women are taken captive. All the goods are gone. Their, their, their place of refuge is burnt down. It says in, in 1 Samuel 30, it says, he was greatly distressed. But yet he found encouragement encourage himself in the Lord. I think the one that would take the medal for discouragement or bad things, let me put it that way, happening to them would have to be Job. Job experienced such cataclysmic loss it, all in one day's time. He lost 10 of his children. It's quite an achievement anyway to have 10 children. <laughs> 11,000 animals a large number of servants, and then he lost his health. And then his friend, Eliphaz, said this, Job 4, 
4 to 6. He says, your words have supported those who stumbled. In other words, you were a pillar, Job. You were the ultimate encourager. Everybody else that was stumbling, Job, your words supported them. You, you have strengthened faltering knees. This is you, verse 5. But now trouble comes to you, and you are discouraged. I guess so. If I lost all of my kids, all my money, my health had gone, my animal, everything else, I think I'd be discouraged too. Now trouble comes to you, and you are discouraged. It strikes you, and you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence? In other words, the fact that you didn't stumble, that you were perfect and upright before God, shouldn't that be where your confidence is, Job? And your blameless ways, your hope? In other words, shouldn't you be relying on your good track record? No. Though the righteous fall, an infinite number an endless number of times. Though they fall, not even due to their own fault. You're here this morning. A lot of things that you're discouraged about aren't even your fault. Things happen, bad things happen that are out of your control. You're serving God. You're upright. You're praying. You're going to church. You're, you're in fellowship. You're reading your Bible. You're, you're, you're upright as you could possibly get. And yet, though you fall, my encouraging word for you today is rise up again. Keep getting up. No matter how many times you fall, get back up again. I think about how Moses would have felt he leads his people out of Egypt. He parts the Red Sea. Then they get, in, they get into the wilderness, and these people, these ungrateful twits, <laughs> turn on them. <laughs> what? If it wasn't for, for me, you'd be back there making straw bricks. You'd be starving. You'd be beaten up again like all the other generations before you. You ungrateful bunch of twits. They turned on them. But though the righteous fall 70 times, 100 times, they get back up again. I think about Paul. How many times, I mean, how discouraged would you be? You get the call from God. Jesus himself arrests you on the road to Damascus. Paul goes blind, gets his sight back, gets his commission from God. He's going about doing all of these righteous things. His, his, his self-righteous got him nowhere. Now he's righteous in God's eyes. He knows that God's called him. He has the revelation, the Pauline revelation. Christ in me is the hope of glory. It's amazing what Paul carries. But look at how many times he's struck down. We don't have time to go into it, but uh, in in 2 Corinthians 11 and 12 chapters, he goes into detail about shipwreck, beaten. And on top of that, he says, the cares of the church come upon me daily. When I think about Jesus, our Savior, if anybody knows what it would be like and tempted to be discouraged, it would have to be him. 
He's come into the world that he created with all the love that there is. He comes in and he's rejected by his own. And not just rejected, but beaten, crucified, stripped naked, insults hurled at him. If anybody had a right to be discouraged, certainly would have been Jesus. How do you deal with discouragement? Because I believe I'm preaching to somebody here that's listening to this message. You're identifying in some area, you're going, man, that's me. I don't know how I, don't know how I could get further down than where I am right now. Perhaps you've been in a season of being down and, and beaten down by life when you're trying to do the right thing. How do you deal with it? Well, I'm not going to have point one, point two, etc. but I'll, I'll say this. How do you deal with discouragement? Deal with it. How do you deal with discouragement? You have to deal with it. Ignoring it won't make it go away. Hoping it, it's going to go away won't make it go away. To deal with discouragement, you have to deal with discouragement. It's okay to get discouraged, but it's not okay to stay discouraged. And I believe that a humble person, humility is to talk about it. Admit it. Don't try to deny it. Get it out. That's why it's important in church life. We need each other. It's important in church life that we trust, that we have people in our world that, that do get it. They get the God thing. And that you can open up and say, hey, I'm feeling discouraged. And somebody can ask the question, okay, let's, let's look at why. Let's try to get to the root of it. Psychology and psychiatry industries have made, mental health industries are making a fortune because I believe in one way because the church isn't doing what it needs to do. Humility. Humble yourself. We all need to humble ourselves. See, humility is not denying your strengths. Humility is admitting your weaknesses. So what's causing this? Talk, let's talk it through. When you're discouraged, it's important to identify what is it that's caused you to be distanced from your, your courage. I believe one of the greatest keys to discouragement, because it's very painful. If you're discouraged right now, you know it's, it's, a, it's an ache in your soul. It's, it's a painful thing to be, in a, to be in a valley. It's a terrible thing. It's okay, like I said, if you're discouraged, it's okay. You can't stay there, however. Getting discouraged is normal. Staying discouraged is not God's plan for you. And we need, to, we need to find a way out of this thing, this dark cave that you're in, this valley with all of its demon friends, dismay and disillusionment and, and, and gloom and all of that. But if you find purpose, in it, not for it, not asking why did this happen to me. I'm not talking about that. But when you're discouraged, look for purpose because pain without purpose is unbearable. If I'm in pain and I can't find any purpose, I can't bear that. 
But if I find purpose in what I'm going through, and I do that by encouraging others, this is a big word because discourage <laughs> is a big word. It's a big nasty word. There's another word that God wants you to grab a hold of, and it was talked about by Danny this morning in our prayer time. Encourage. It's what the body of Christ is about. It's what the church is about. It's what all of us need to be intentional about when we come to a church meeting is, who can I encourage today? How, how can I help somebody that's distanced from courage, that's down, beaten down by life, how can I have a listening ear to help them by encouraging them to get out of that? That's purpose in the pain. The purpose that you find, that I find when I'm discouraged is, I'm going to go through this, and I'm going to help somebody else out. Most of my preaching comes this way. I, I search God big time. What do you want me to talk about? And this word this morning was something that God had on his heart for you. And it, and it came about through my own pain, my own discouragement. Asking the question in the middle of the pain, what's the purpose? I will find purpose. I always tell the devil when he kicks me and gets me down, Okay, there's only two outcomes of this devil. One, you're going to kill me. Two, I'm going to live. And if I live, I'm going to tell everybody about what God did. I'm going to tell everybody how God got me through this. I'm going to, I'm going to give my testimony, the blood of the Lamb, and the word of my testimony is going out there that I found purpose in this pain. So go ahead and kick. Go ahead and punch me in the gut. Sucker punch me, devil. Don't worry. If, if you don't kill me, <laughs> I'm still breathing. He hasn't killed me yet. Then I'm going to get up off of this mat and I'm going to preach this everywhere I go with everything that I have. And I'm not going to be humble with and call that, you know, call pride, humility, and glory in my strengths. No, no, no. no don't worry. It's, it's, it's all God. I'm going to glory in my weaknesses. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians 12. If I glory, I glory in my weaknesses that through my weakness, he can be strong. I have found purpose in my pain. And my purpose is to encourage somebody else. Yeah. I like to ask the, uh, the question, why? With most, most things. Why values on, on the wall out in the foyer? It's to create a culture. A culture that's conducive. Cultures where something lives. It thrives. Something grows in a culture. Culture is huge. The values that shape our culture. I've taken the time to hear from God. Write these things out. I didn't get them anywhere else. I truly got them from God and shared these with Cassie. And she turned them into beautiful artwork. We put them on the wall. These aren't just pictures on the wall to make the wall look pretty. They're so that you can understand that we walk together even when it hurts. That's a value. When does it hurt? All the time. Some, some people are hurting all the time. But we're walking together. Why do we sell? So others can grow. You see, this isn't about me. 
And when I'm discouraged, if I'll flip that around and find purpose in my discouragement, and that purpose is to encourage someone else that's going through it, so that, like Jesus says, he's easily touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He was tempted at all points without sin, but he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. He knows what you're going through. He knows, and though you fall seven times, and keep that number going. Though you do that, he's there to say, you can get back up again because I'm in you. And that's your hope of glory. And when Job's friend Eliphaz says, well, you should find your piety and everything because you didn't do anything wrong. If anybody deserves to, to, to not have this happen, it's you, Job. Why would you lose all your kids and your animals and everything else? Why, why, why? You're serving God. You're upright. You're righteous. Now, though I fall as a righteous man, though I get discouraged, and though you get discouraged from doing the right thing, you can get back up again and we can deal with this. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You cannot let discouragement live in your heart. And there's a big reason for that. My wife gave me this when I was asking her about discouragement. And, and, uh, and she said this, she said, Discouragement takes the place where faith needs to be. Why does it take up the ground? And as long as you let discouragement take up the soil of your heart, the place of your heart, faith can't live there because there's no room. It has to be uprooted, and that's this morning. We're going to uproot this thing so that faith can then live in the soil of your heart. Discouragement requires one thing and, and to get out of it. And that one thing, it's a word that gets used a lot, and it's, a, it's just such a bad word. We don't like to say it anymore. It's the word repentance. And you know, as soon as I said that word, a lot of you got into this thing, oh yeah, I need to feel really bad about being discouraged and repent repent. It's not what I'm talking about at all. In the Greek language, the word repent is metanoia, and it means to change your mind. In other words, change your thinking. So how did you get discouraged in the first place? Through thoughts, you walked into that dark room called discouragement one step at a time or one thought at a time. You started to think thoughts. And each thought was like taking a step towards that darkness, toward that cave, toward that room. You got in there through thinking. How am I going to get out? You get out by changing your thinking and turn around and you walk out the same way you came in one thought at a time. Repent. We need to repent by changing our mind, by changing our thinking, by turning around our thought life so that discouragement doesn't linger and it doesn't keep us in that room 
But we cultivate thoughts that are encouraging, like David, encourage yourself. We had the Ironman competition a few weeks back on the coast here, an international Ironman, big thing. And I watched these elite athletes. I mean, the swim is almost uh, four Kilometer swim, I think it's 3.8, something like that. It's a 180-kilometer bike ride. Then the whole thing is capped off with 42.2, I think it is, kilometer run. It's insane. But those were not the athletes that I was enamored by. There is an elite athlete that attends the Ironman but they're not iron men. They're so rare. We all love them. We all wish that we were one, but very few of us are. And when we find one in our world, we'll grab a hold of that person for dear life. There's a group of people that travel to the Ironman competition and they're, they're there for one purpose. Not to compete, not to run 42.2 kilometers or whatever it is. <laughs> not to swim four kilometers. Not, not to cycle 180 kilometers. <laughs> they're there for one thing. And that's to encourage the Ironman. I didn't know that till I read about that. And I'm like, Wow. These people are elite, and they show up with that purpose. As I was watching them, I was taken way more than by the runners and swimmers and all the rest of it, because they're there getting as close to the iron men as they're running past, and the women, iron men, women, uh, and they're yelling with all the enthusiasm that they can. Keep going. You're doing good. Amazing. Great time. Don't give up. Don't quit. And I'm like, wow. This is what God is talking about. And theos means enthusiasm, which means in God. Out of their breath. The word pneuma means breath, where we get spirit from. Is coming Nothing but encouraging words. Because everything in these Ironman athletes is screaming at them to quit, to give up, the pain. Fall, go down, don't get up again. When life turns, and like I said, it's, it's, it's not always your fault. And even if it is, your father loves you. When I used to run track and field in high school, there was one thing that made me run better. Somebody brought this out in the prayer meeting this morning. <laughs> I thought, wow. And that was if my dad showed up. So my track, uh, track meet would be usually after school, about the same time my dad had enough time to get from the Ford factory where he worked over to watching me run the two-mile. Oftentimes I'd look around and my dad wasn't there, still working, whatever, and so I'd start off, 
get around the track. I'd look, and I'd see my dad. Everything changed, because I knew my father's watching. Your father's watching you run. Your father's there. He's an elite encourager. And he's saying to you, daughter, son, come on. That's my girl. That's my boy. Come on, you can do it. If I be for you, I've written in my word. Who can be against you? No, you fall seven times. Times 70 or 100,000 times. Get up again. I'm for you, not against you. I'm not there kicking you, condemning you. Repent, change your thinking on this. Get your thoughts aligned with my thinking that I am for you, not against you. I am here to encourage you. Your father's watching. You got a whole cloud of witnesses compassed about us, it says in Hebrew. A whole group of saints that have gone on before you, including the heroes of faith. Job is in that, in that cloud of witnesses somewhere going, hey, I know what you're like, and I hope that my, my, my story in Hebrews, I hope that it changed you. I hope that somehow you were able to draw encouragement out of somebody else knows what you're going through. And, and, and I think about Ruth, and I, I think about everybody in the Bible, for goodness sakes. <laughs> They're all there. <laughs> to do what? To be on the sidelines. They're on the sidelines. Now they ran their race. Paul ran his race. It's now it's your turn. It's your turn to what? Not just run your race, but encourage somebody else through their race. Because I believe probably life's greatest key or Scripture's greatest key to get out of discouragement is to learn to be an encourager. The day that I got Ed out of the center of the universe, because the whole universe, I found out, does not evolve around me. And the whole universe doesn't evolve around you either. And if you focus on you, you're going to see and focus on every fault and shortcoming that you have, and that's going to make you even more discouraged than what you already are. But I learned that if I focus upon Jesus, then I see everything that's right with him, <laughs> and I'm no longer focusing on me and everything that's wrong with me. And the way out of discouragement is to hear God clearly through Scripture and through His Holy Spirit telling you, come on, I'm for you. I know you stuff up. You don't have to stay down. I don't want you to stay down. I want you to get up, and I want you to come to church intentionally and step into life intentionally in that marriage with those children in that household, in those friendships, even when the friend lets you down, at work, even when your boss is nasty, even when customers aren't the best. 
I want you to intentionally step into your life, even though you are discouraged, to become an encourager. So that you can look at the people that want to be iron men and women running their race. And even though you necessarily aren't running the same race, you can be there on the sideline saying, come on, you can do it. I'm with you. God's with you. Together, you and God, you can do anything. Separate yourself from God, you can't really do much. But you don't need to separate yourself from God. Don't ever do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and helps me get stronger when I strengthen other people. But we have to have an ear to hear. I remember once, one of my many jobs when I lived in Tulsa, I drove a limousine. I would stop in at one of the hotels there, and I worked at another hotel. But in the lobby, there was a man walking around. And nobody there, the, the front desk, reception, the, the doorman, bellman, all the rest of them, the staff, they didn't know what to do with this guy. And he, he was making funny noises, like whimp, whimpering noises. And he, he could speak, but it was kind of like a strange accent. And they, they didn't know what to do. They were trying to get rid of him. But I recognized it. Because I'd had several deaf friends in my life that were people that were deaf and dumb. And I thought, that sounds strangely familiar. And I said, he's deaf. That's why you can't understand him, because he's never heard audible English. So his words, he can't speak right, because why? Because he couldn't hear right. His words didn't come out the way our words come out, because we can hear. So I walked over to him, and I don't sign, but I just, through my mouth, I just says, you're, you're deaf. He goes, eh. he's excited all of a sudden, like somebody gets it. And I'm, I said, guys, he's, he's deaf. So I said, got to get a piece of paper and a pen. So they got that, and I said, I want you, I said, right, right, what do you want? And he was told that if he could come to this, to Tulsa, that he could get free medical because of Oral Roberts University Hospital, which was there, which was true. They made that offer. If you come to Tulsa, you can stay in our hospital for free. and We'll look after you. So he got everything he had, every little bit of money. He showed up to Tulsa to take Oral Roberts up on his offer. And I was amazed because a lot of us don't get encouraged because we don't know how to hear God. We can't speak right. A lot of us aren't encouraging other people because we're not hearing God clearly encouraging us. Inclining your ear to hear what God would say to you. And when you hear God's voice, 
It's easy to tell if it's God or the devil or something else because God encourages. He might challenge you to change your thinking, like I said, to repent and get out of it one thought at a time, but he's not a discouraging God. He is the ultimate encourager. He is at the, he's the top, as far as being at the top of his game with encouragement. He's, he's an elite athlete, so to speak. And when the Word of God comes forth, when you read the Word of God and when you pray, if you're hearing something else that's discouraging you, it's not God. But if you're hearing the voice of God, then you'll be able to speak forth with clarity. But if you're deaf to the Word of God, then your speech won't be clear. It'll be discouraging. It'll always be about you instead of about someone else. What if our church was full of people that thought and planned, strategized, how, how, can, I, how can I turn up the encouragement in my life? What if we approached all of our gatherings this way, dinner parties and prayer meetings and foyer time where we're eating cakes and everything else? What if we approached life? I want to be the best encourager. I want to be an elite athlete when it comes to this. I will guarantee you, I will give you this guarantee. If you will focus on being an encourager instead of on yourself and being a consumer, you'll find you'll, you'll walk right out of that valley, that darkness called discouragement. You'll find that as your thought life turns around and you turn around one thought at a time and walk it out one thought at a time, that encouragement will come your way more than enough to defeat whatever it is that's discouraging you right now now. Amen. Give, give God a hand clap. Hallelujah. Well, I want to pray for you. If you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, you don't have the ultimate encourager. If you've been sold that he's a discourager and he's out to get you and he's going to point your sin out and just he's coming to get you, well, that's not good news. The gospel means good news. I want to give you the great news of the gospel God so loved you that he gave his only son. And God loves you that much to not leave you where you're at as an orphan and to leave you in whatever trouble you're in, but to come and save you. So if you would like to, we'll all pray this here. And just pray this after me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of doing life my way. I make you the Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.